Actually, when I got that number one Billboard record, I was I was homeless. I was hustling, man. I'm Jim Huffman, and this is If I Was Starting Today, a collection of conversations about half-baked startup ideas, growth tactics, and stories from founders, including my own journey as a business owner. All of the content is centered around one question. What would you do if you were starting today? Today on the podcast, I have Bash Jones. He is the CEO and co-founder of HomePlan, a really impressive startup in the real estate space that essentially allows you to own a home, but manage it like your renter. Imagine having a personal concierge that handles all those issues that come up with being a homeownership and takes care of it for you. And his story is extremely impressive. He started this startup because he had this own problem because his neighbors were asking him for constant one-off maintenance help because he was the guy that had the insight in the real estate industry. But as I started to talk more, I learned more about his background. Before that, he was a UI UX designer. Before that, he actually was a recording artist that had one song go number one on the Billboard charts. And before that, he was actually homeless. Um, and he was able to survive the streets of, of LA being homeless and now be a startup co-founder. It was a wide-ranging conversation that's what really interesting, but also inspiring. Today. So really hope you enjoy this conversation with Bash as much as I did. Enjoy. All right. Um, I have someone on the podcast today, Bash Jones, who I was introduced to through a friend who actually invested in them and I think I'm a little jealous I didn't get in when he did because of everything that's going on. But I'm excited to get into his story. But Bash, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jim. First off, Bash, I'm jealous of your name. I feel like in addition to being an entrepreneur, you should probably be like, you know, an, an Olympic athlete with that name. Um, but it, it's, it's pretty awesome. But tell me, how do you introduce yourself? How do I introduce myself? Yeah. Just as the co-founder and CEO of Homeplan. And so for people that don't know, what, what is HomePlan? So HomePlan, um, we help, we pair homeowners with personal assistance and uh, software to better manage their homes digitally and automatically. Homeowners can track everything from maintenance, repairs, appliances, pay bills, and handle all the most common tasks associated with homeownership passively. So they're moving away from, we're allowing homeowners to move away from um, time-consuming hands-on processes like a sale and list and in-person appointments, emails, um, all of that jazz, right? So our platform allows homeowners to experience homeownership like a renter with the upside of equity and ownership. Are you saying that home ownership can be painful sometimes and, and unexpected things happen that you have to deal with and it can be a headache? Is, is, is that something that uh, kind of tipped this to become something that's more than an idea? Yeah, home ownership is extremely painful, right? Today, homeowners are spending close to $3,000 annually on emergency repairs alone and $15,000 annually between home improvement projects and home maintenance, right? Um, home maintenance itself hovers around 3K, somewhere between 3 and 4K annually. And you should pretty much budget between 1% to 4% of your total home value annually to pay for maintenance, right? Uh, the problem is a lot of homeowners the current options on the market to solve their home related problems are pretty bad. You know, we have other companies that I will not name that give you list of contractors to go through. And that's a pretty bad experience because then after you 
pick your spend an hour picking your contractor, then you have to manage that entire process, all the paperwork, the invoices, the receipts, the back and forth through phone calls and emails, sometimes text messages. You have kids, you have to work, you have a home life. Um, so it's just a pretty bad experience, right? And actually what got us started on this was um, it rained in my mother's neighbor's home for a year. Um, he's a retired veteran who lived on a um, fixed income. And he asked me to get into his home, help him get into his home one day. And <clears throat> I saw these huge trash cans on his, uh, this fold out table in his living room. And I said, oh, hey, are you, you know, remodeling or renovating? He was like, no, that's the catch the rain. And I said, what do you mean the catch the rain? He's like, yeah, it's been raining in my house for a year um, and no one will help me. And I can't afford uh, the $15,000 quotes I've gotten to fix my roof. So what I did was I contacted the older woman in St. Louis and uh, she steered me towards this uh, federally funded program for Opportunity Zones to help seniors and folks with kids, right? And uh, what they do is they provide funds for people to come in and home, basically contractors come in and fix any home-related problem you have, right? And he got a brand new roof and everything for free. So that's how we started. And then what actually happened from there is all of the neighbors in that neighborhood asked him like, hey, that's a nice new roof. You know, how'd you get it? I thought you said you couldn't afford it, right? And he was like, well, you need to contact Bash and Bash can help you with everything. So all of a sudden one day my phone lit up with like 20 missed phone calls. And I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so that's that's the beginning of our, our our journey right there. Man, I love startup startups that come from a problem. And it's pretty cool to be like, okay, I'm just gonna help out a neighbor. Um, you see this problem, you solve it. And the fact that like you didn't even have the intention of doing a startup, I don't think. And then you see all this inbound. So I, I love the idea of looking at a startup from three frameworks. Idea, all of a sudden you have traction and growth. So so you start to see all this inbound come in from, you know, helping one person out. At what point does it click where you're like, wait a minute, this is more than just me helping out a neighbor. There's something to this. So I can actually tell you exactly when that happened. Um, a friend of mine, her mom, I came over one day and she's like, hey, can you um, fix my door? It won't close my front door. So I said, OK, sure. No problem. I said, oh, hey, and looked at it. Say, oh, hey, by the way, you need a new front door uh, latch, basically, right, uh, and a lock. And so I went to Home Depot and came back and installed it for her. And then she said, oh, hey, by the way, can you, my floor in the bathroom seems to be out of level. Uh, what do we do about that? And I said, oh, I've, I've done some home renovation work uh, before. I can actually help you level that floor. So I leveled that floor. Then she came back and said, hey, by the way, I filed a roof insurance claim uh, and my insurance company, I think they're lowballing me, but they sent me this check for $5,800. I have no idea what it's for, what it means or how this works. I'm just going to go ahead and mobile deposit it. I said, nope, stop right there. Do not deposit that check. It constitutes the acceptance of a contract or, or forms a contract, right? Saying that you accept uh, their, their uh, just, uh, adjuster's claim on your home. Let me get on your roof and take a, look, a walk around and see what's going on. Because she had a, this was another homeowner who had a roof leak in her home, right? Got on the roof. Now, she lives in a golf course community. The entire community has slate roofs. They're all like 50, 60 years old. St. Louis has inclement weather where we get a lot of hailstorms. So I got up there and I said, hey, uh, I don't know who's been on your roof, but someone's been up here patching these slate tiles with tar and also they overlaid some of the tiles on the slate on your uh, garage with a single level, a single layer of shingles. And they didn't do a great job. Um, that's why it's raining in your house right now. And so 
I said, you know, what do you want to do about this? She said, well, I don't know what any of this means. Can you help me out? Um, so I read through her homeowner's insurance policy, figured out what it covered for her, for her roof. And then uh, I contacted a roofing company and her insurance adjuster, and we got the ball rolling. Five months later, I, I helped take her insurance claim from 12K, 12.4K to $53,000. She got an all new slate roof, all new second floor house wrap and brand new siding, which was not originally in the plan. Um, and then she got brand new window wraps, the whole nine. And also they they completely ripped out the plaster in, in the damaged room and redid the plaster and repainted the entire room. So she was happy. And the only thing she came out of pocket was $1,400. Man. Well, well, first off, I want to get into like home plan and like how you take this experience to do all this. But first, I'm a little jealous at how handy you are. How do you have the background in, in doing all this, the flooring, jumping on roofs, and even knowing, you know, the kind of transactional side with the uh, insurance part of it? Sure. So my mom, uh, when I was growing up, she was an architectural drafter. So I was I used to spend a lot of time in architectural uh, architecture offices. She also used to sit on a board for a company called Youth Build USA, which <clears throat> teaches trades to inner city kids and underprivileged uh, individuals. Um, so everything from HVAC to carpentry to everything. So she taught me a lot of those things when I was younger, and I've been working on homes since I was a teenager. Right. So um, in 2020, I also became a homeowner. And started experiencing the same problems that all of these folks came to me with. As far as understanding contracts, I used to work in music. And although the terminology is different, I can pretty much read through the paperwork and get a base level understanding or high level understanding of what it's saying. And then the rest from there, when you, if you've ever dealt with an insurance claim, it's just a lot of math, right? And whatever term I didn't understand, I just looked up. But yeah, now, now we have some experts that I can connect you to. Um, who can better, you know, explain those things to you. So I'm not here trying to tell you something that I don't know, right? <laughs> yeah, you're not wearing the CEO hat and then getting in the customer service side of things, trying to facilitate everything. But um, man, that's really cool background to have. I love seeing people's unique backgrounds and how it shapes where they are today. So it starts to click. You're not only like helping people fix their homes, but you're helping them save significant dollars, right? And so it clicks. You're like, okay, there is something here. What's that next step? Cause I think a lot of people, they have cool ideas and they see signals, but they hit this wall. They're like, I don't know how to like make this something real, build a website. Like what was your next step? Mm -hmm. Well, this is my second company. Uh, my first company, we raised several hundred thousand dollars for the first company. Um, by the way, I'm an Android engineer as well as a front end engineer for web. Um, and a, a UI UX designer as well, all self-taught. Um, I did it as a hobby and then, you know, got serious about it a few years ago. But um, yeah, that first company taught me a lot. And I was able to recruit uh, a C our CTO for the first company came from Google. He was a senior, senior engineer at Google um, and previously worked at Netflix. And he's a has a PhD in computer vision as well. So I was able to convince him to join me with that first company. We worked together. He taught me a lot. Um, and Prior to that, I worked in the music industry where I charted at number one on the Billboard charts as a songwriter. Um, whoa, 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 we got we got to jump in here. You're designing websites, you're jumping on roofs, and you're writing songs. Yeah, jeez, man, yeah. you're like a, the yeah. ultimate renaissance man. Hold, tell me what what types of songs are you writing? So I worked with artists like Cat DeLuna, uh, Fat Man Scoop, a bunch of pop artists and Latin artists. So the song that I wrote for her that went number one on the dance chart was uh, "Dancing Tonight." Uh, for, for Cat DeLuna. So I spent time also 
managing artists after I got out of the songwriting side of things. Yeah. And 2015, I jumped headfirst into tech after a failed meeting at Rock Nation, um, where they were initially <laughs> interested. Yeah, that was a horrible meeting. They were initially interested in signing me to a publishing deal and the meeting just went awful. Wait, wh- why did the meeting go wrong? What can we learn from that? Yeah, I was coming back from Europe and I was completely jet lagged and tired. And mind you, I had kind of wound down my music career at that point. And this was during the time that we had started our first company. We were in Europe raising money and um, came back and I was, I was just dog tired. And they called me out of the blue and said, hey, we want you to come in. We heard some of your music or whatever. And I was like, OK, cool. When? And they're like, tomorrow. And I'm like, OK. I had literally just gotten back that same day. Right. And they wanted me to come in the next day. So and I spent three months in Europe traveling to 12 different countries. So I was dog tired. And um, I, I would say the lesson is, you know, don't don't go into a meeting dog tired. Take time. And <laughs> if someone wants to schedule a last minute meeting with you, say, I would love to. And can we schedule it for sometime in the future? Right. So I, I was excited, you know, that Rock Nation called me. I didn't call them. You know, most people love would love to have the opportunity to go to Rock Nation's offices and sit there and you know, talk to folks and say, hey, you're interested in me, right? Or get their music heard by somebody over there. So I think that's more so what it was. Um, But yeah, I'll I'll never do that again. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to be on your game when you're you're wanting to be asleep on the the boardroom table. Yeah, one thing I want to mention, I want to talk about what you said earlier a bit, right? You said that uh, (laughs) I probably did not intend to start uh, this type of company and you would be 100% correct. So I had spent years helping homeowners just do little things here and there and, you know, fixing my mom's house whenever something would go wrong or or whatever. I don't do anything mechanical, so I don't do plumbing or electrical, but everything else I can pretty much do. Right. And um, I never looked at it as a company. It was just, oh, I'm being helpful. And, you know, I like helping people. And um, once all of these homeowners kept coming to me, I was just like, you know, there's something here. And, you know, I don't know exactly what it is, but all of these homeowners need help. And then when I became a homeowner, like like I said, um, I figured out what their problems actually were. And uh, we started building the solution from there. And we actually pivoted from um, initially wanted to standardize pre-offer inspections on homes so that we could get verified information on homes because we looked around and no one had any verified information on homes. Right. So initially we want we wanted to build something like a Carfax for homes. And then we started getting with a marketplace on top. And then we started getting into the nitty gritty of things. And real estate agents weren't very helpful and wanted to continue doing the same things they were doing for a while to make money. And there were a lot of forces against homeowners. Right. And then I started looking around more and I realized all of the property management companies, um, they focus only on investors. Right. So real estate investors and landlords, they give them software to manage units, but nobody's built anything for homeowners. And there were a few companies that tried in the past, but they built only software. Software alone will not solve this problem. You have to pair software with an actual knowledgeable and trustworthy human who can actually help homeowners and take some, uh, take some, some of these tasks that they hate doing off their plates. I want to back up because I think what's really interesting is you see this problem, people needing help with their homes, and there's a lot of different paths you could have gone. It's like you can start mm-hmm. a a construction company. You you could start all these different like service companies, but you you have this skill set in tech. So you lean tech. And one thing that's mm-hmm. I'd like for you to call out is, you know, people like put an idea out there and sometimes it doesn't work. And you said, "Hey, we we kind of pivoted, you know, we started with 
Carfax for Homes. Can you talk about two things? One, what did that look like from an MVP, minimum viable product perspective? One, and two, when did you have to make that tough call where you're like, this isn't really working. We, we need to try something else. Yeah. So from an MVP standpoint, we just had a website where you could go and type in your home address and it would um, populate with a, the return would come back with a home report, right? And we were working with home inspectors to actually go and uh, convince homeowners to allow them to basically reinspect their homes, even though they already lived in them, right? And so we ran into a few issues. Like I mentioned, the real estate agents didn't want to play ball. Homeowners were like, hell no, you're not coming to my house. <laughs> why are you, why do you want to come in my house? And I'm like, hey, we want to verify information because everyone who has information out there, there's this huge disclaimer that says we cannot verify this information. Pretty much do your own research and verify this, right? We pivoted after all of that, all of the friction with, with that, right? And then also, uh, it wasn't even that I planned to, to pivot or intended to pivot, right? What happened was um, I kept getting homeowners who kept calling me and kept texting and saying, hey, so-and-so told me about how you helped her with her home. Can you come and help me? And I'm like, I really don't want to help you right now. I'm trying to build this startup. <laughs> and and I, was, I would go and help anyway. Like, for instance, there was a woman who was a neighbor of the woman who we helped, who I helped to uh, file her, uh, raise a roof, uh, roof insurance claim, right? And she said, she literally came to me and said, hey, can you cut down these trees in my backyard? They were like honeysuckle, they're invasive, they were everywhere. She's like, I got a quote for $9,000 and that's the cheapest quote. Um, the rest of them were more than that. Cause I mean, I mean, they were so overgrown and everything was so massive, right? And I, and I looked at the yard, I'm like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want to be here right now. I'm, I'm tired of helping people, right? Um, I want to focus again on my company and trying yeah. to figure out how to get this thing going. Well, uh, she's like, hey, listen, I'll pay you $1,000 if you can cut down everything. Take as much time as you need. I'll give you access to the backyard, whatever. I said, oh, really? $1,000? Hmm, okay. <laughs> I looked at the backyard. I looked at the backyard and I was like, I can knock this out in a day. Got back there. It took me two days because uh, it was just myself. <laughs> A thousand dollars over two days. I was like, "Hey, I'll take it." And then um, that's when I realized I was like, "You know what? Let's get into the service side, as you mentioned. Let's get into the service side, helping homeowners." And then you know that was the pivot or whatever, getting into the service side of things. But what we realized from that was that uh, first of all, there are so many service companies trying to tackle that problem for homeowners. Right? A lot of them are very well funded, and we didn't want to actually compete with those companies. So I said, you know what, instead of competing with them, let's actually partner with those service companies. So and let's focus only on software and, you know, providing home managers, basically. And by the way, our home managers are virtual. So it's pretty much like having a virtual assistant, right? Manage everything. You can, you know, use the site or the app that we're building now and basically say, I have X, Y, Z problem. Here's a I had a small plumbing leak last night, whatever the case, and we'll take care of it for you. Send someone over and you don't have to worry about a thing. So yeah, that, that was that was our pivot. Well, I love how, because I can totally relate, where you're trying to build this big thing that's going to go to the moon and be the next unicorn, and you see this friction. But meanwhile, people are nagging you because they need you for something. You're like, go away. That's not the thing. But then when you take the blinders off, it's like, wait a minute. Why don't I follow the momentum? And how can I do this in a scalable way by putting technology to it, which is so smart. And so... You know, basically, it's taking what you were doing because you're nice to, to neighbors and you're 
scaling yourself, right, with these virtual home managers. So talk to me. So say I'm, I'm a homeowner um, and I have a home. Like when, whenever I think of like a SaaS tool, I'm always trying to like, we, we have a growth agency, work with SaaS companies. We're always thinking through, you know, what is the magic moment when someone uses home plan and they're the most delighted? We're like, holy smokes. This thing is amazing. Like if we if we talk to, you know, people that are using HomePlan or are going to use it, what is that like killer use case where you save them time or money or wow them with the experience mm-hmm. that like homeowners should get fired up? It's like, hey, guess what? That pain with is no longer gonna be a pain with HomePlan. If there's any use cases you're seeing that people are really gravitating towards. Yeah, sure. The biggest one would be saving time and money, the the two biggest, right? So the average homeowner spends 480 hours a year on maintenance and yard work. Um, they spend 90, 90 minutes a day, basically. So, you know, what we're, when it comes to time, we onboard the homeowners. Every homeowner who onboards, we give them their home manager. Uh, we go through a home health questionnaire. Um, we allow you to, we give you a, a guided tour on the app telling you what rooms and um, where to go into your home to take pictures or video, right? Upload it. Um, this process, getting everything updated or up- uploaded and, uh, you know, digitally scanned into the to the uh, platform takes about an hour of your time. After that, we can start automating 70, up to 75% of everything with your home, right? Because most of the um, issues that homeowners have, everyone has them, right? So there are not too many issues that um, a homeowner would run into that someone hasn't experienced before, right? So um, basically we know how to handle all those and we automate as much as possible. But the aha moment is when you're looking around, spending time with your kids and you're like, oh, I don't have to actually do anything for my home. I can just call Bash or I can call whomever, right? Um, at home plan, I can tell them again, like, hey, I had a small water leak or, you know, my pool needs to be fixed or, hey, it's leaking in my home, you know? Because one of the things we do is we partner with, service companies who offer like home warranties and uh, appliance repair subscriptions and things of that nature. So, you know, you pay one set fee to us for your home manager to manage your entire account. And then you pay a monthly fee for, let's say, an appliance repair subscription and it may be 39 bucks a month. Right. So um, you may have that. You may have lawn care subscription uh, where you get, you know, a biweekly or weekly cut. So total, you may come out of paying 100 to 150 bucks a month on everything. But literally everything is automated. Um, it's a uh, one-stop shop. And once you set it, you forget it. So I'm like, okay, I own a home. It's like, all right, I need new lawn care. I need someone to take down the, the honeysuckle trees. And like, oh, I just had a leak. I can go to my home plan, home manager. I'm like, okay, here are my problems. And then my yep. home manager has my back. They're like, okay, we're going to find the exactly. best service providers for you or the warranty. So basically, yes, I have to pay you a fee, but the home manager is going to get me the best deal, the best option to to be cost effective. As a, so what's the alternative? I've got to go to Google. I've got to go to like YouTube to figure it out myself. Is, is that really what you're up against? Is that competition of me just spending my time on Google trying to find these alternatives? Yeah, uh, that is the competition. So it's Google, it's Thumbtack, Angie, uh, Home Advisor. Um, these companies sell leads. So they, uh, the biggest issue with them is their business model, right? Um, you're not necessarily getting the best servicer for your home for the job. And then on top of that, you're spending literally hours searching someone and vetting people 
um, and figuring out who to hire. And it, it takes too much of your time, right? And homeowners just don't have that time. So what we do with the home manager, you get the month, uh, a monthly home health check-in where once a month we hold a 30-minute call with you to go over all of the work that has been done on your home or also give you, you know, uh, reminders about important dates like upcoming property tax dates and things of that nature, right? So like I said, you, you literally set it and forget it and, and you have someone in your corner the, the entire way. Um, when it comes to competition, there was a company called Setter that got acquired by Thumbtack, but they were more so focused on offering home service descriptions. There are other few, uh, there are a few other companies who raised a little bit of money previously in the past, but they've been, they're pretty much ghost companies now. They've been around for a while. And also if you try to use their products, they're pretty bad. Right. And, and we understand, we see why they didn't take off. Right. Um, so we're not first in market, but we're pretty much um, educating the market as well as um, I would say doing pretty well. We went from uh, making no money to making forty two hundred dollars in 19 days once we launched our beta. That's awesome. And um, and w- when did you launch your beta? Uh, January of this year. That's awesome. Um, all right. So sold on the idea. This is one of those no brainer ideas. You're like, crap, why didn't I think of this? This is such a no brainer. It's it's like, how does this not exist? You know, it's, it's such a good one. You, you've got traction. You're raising money. And as you look at this, like next phase of growth, where is your head at as far as thinking about how you grow this? Because is it like, okay, let's do this from a, a geo-targeting perspective and let's just own, you know, the Oakland market, the Seattle market, the, you know, Kansas City market, St. Louis market, or you like, you know, let's own this u- use case across the country of, you know, you know, lawn care or, or whatever that would be. Um, or it could be like, let's just go all in on making customers super happy and having an insanely good referral campaign. Because guess what? I'll go talk to my neighbor, Mark, who's delightful. And I'll talk to him about this because you have this magic moment of, I feel like I have this like home personal assistant in my pocket. I can make my problems their problem. So what are you going through right now as you're like, okay, people about to like, you're raising more money. Where does that go as you look to grow? So we're looking to raise right now 500K on a safe in our pre-seed round. Um, we've raised a little bit of angel money that I call launch funding. Um, so one thing that I want to touch on is that we don't actually have to stay restricted to our geography. 95% of what our um, home managers or home assistants can do, uh, they can do virtually. So that's one of the benefits. One of our competitors, they're restricted to a certain geolocation right now. And I think they're going to have a very tough time scaling. So that money will honestly go towards uh, hiring two more engineers and our go-to-market strategy for uh, to get us a thousand homes uh, by the end of the year um, that use us for concierge. So th- those that's our target right now. Um, in regards to you know what we see as far as our growth plan, we've been actually going. <laughs> we've done everything from neighborhood association meetings to. Um, passing out flyers door to door, uh, myself, as well as well, one of the people who work with us part time, um, we decided to pass out flyers one day in St. Louis and it happened to be the hottest day of the year. Last year. <laughs> uh, so, and mind you, the other thing too, is I had broken my ankle on new year's day of 2021. So, um, I had surgery and I had broken my ankle in five places. So 
I was just starting to walk after five months and I still had a boot on after being on. I had a walker before that and then I couldn't move, you know, whatever. I was immobile. Um, but yeah, so we've, we've, we've tried quite a few things. Uh, we've done some podcasts. We've been interviewed by local press in St. Louis as well as um, Arizona and California as well. But, you know, I think <laughs> I think one of the things that worked for us was uh, I always think back to do things that don't scale, right? The flyers, going door to door, passing out the flyers. Oh, man, we got some interesting emails and, and responses, right? But <laughs> we actually acquired a few customers that way. Their problems were so severe and they had been looking for someone to help them that, you know, the flyer, when it came to their door, first they did some vetting and they're like, hey, are you guys real? Like, what do you do? You know, whatever the case, right? And so I, I said, hey, do you have time to hop on a phone call? And I would get on a call with them and explain what we do and our value proposition. And they got it. And we had a few customers that are like, hey, when do I sign up? When are you guys launching the beta? And I'm like, not yet. We're still building. We're still learning. We're still iterating. And those customers onboarded immediately. Um, what's interesting is we offer two tiers, self-manage or concierge. So self-manage is for the ultimate DIYer who's just like, hey, I can do everything myself. I need occasional help, but not, you know, someone holding my hand or having an assistant in my pocket. Right. And what we found is that we've had multiple homeowners upgrade uh, from paying us 24 bucks a month on the self-managed side to paying us a thousand bucks annually on the concierge side. Because what they realized is that, again, it goes back to time. They would be super excited to sign up, play around, upload all their documents, you know, take care of things on the platform. And then they would turn around and say, hey, I'm drowning here. I don't have time to keep this updated. Can you help me? And um, so we said, sure. And they upgraded and they love us now. There's something magical about that, too. Like with a subscription product, it's all about how can you just get them in the door? Like if it's a DTC brand, you see them giving the product away for free. If it's a SaaS tool, it's like a free trial or free amount mm -hmm. of usage, because if you can just get them in the door and get them to experience it, then it's about mm -hmm. landing and expanding. And the thing that's nice is that self-service model. You're still able to monetize it a little bit, right? You're getting 24 yeah. bucks a month. And then once they kind of dip their toe in, like, wait a minute. This is amazing, but I'm not realizing the full potential of this. I mean, another thing that I'd be thinking through is, you know, you have something like this idea of engineering is marketing, right? Where HubSpot, a marketing tool, they got all of their new customers by literally building a tool they gave for free. And that tool was a website grader. It's like, hey, give us your URL, homeplan.com. We'll audit it from a CRO and um, SEO perspective. They grew their list like crazy and they eventually would like become paying customers. You know, you see mortgage companies do that with mortgage calculators, right? Um, I right. feel like there's so much potential, like little free tools you could do in addition to that, that, um, yep. that self-service so, tier. To touch on that, we have tools. We have mortgage payoff calculators. We have uh, reminders. We have uh, maintenance savings plans tools. Well, that's good. We, yeah, we have uh, all of those tools and those tools are 100% free. So um, we actually do have a free tier. Everything on home plan to sign up is completely free. No credit card re required. There's no trial. Technically, you could use home plan for free on the self-managed side forever, right? The way that works is the only thing we charge for is if you need to pay more than two bills or if you need to upgrade your storage from two gigabytes, we have tiers to upgrade storage and bill pay. So, yeah, that's literally the only things you'll pay for. We don't uh, put any sort of we don't gate any sort of tools or anything like that and tell you to upgrade. All of that stuff is free. 
That's awesome. Okay, I have a I have a very technical nerdy question. Your flyer had a good conversion rate. What was the copy on that flyer that, that you think got people's attention? Why did that convert so well? Uh, I'm trying to think back to what we said. So we had uh, home management made simple. We included the story um, of the homeowner who, you know, it, it rained in his home and how we got him a free roof. And we simply said, let us help you manage your home and help you the way we did this homeowner. And that's what it said initially. But now, like I said, the, the, now we have a new slogan, which is, you know, <laughs> which, which I am in love with right now. Let me tell you. So <laughs> it, it, it took a, Wait, hold on. You in the slogan for people to remind. It's manager. Wait, crap. I'm going to, but you say it. So I, I butchered it. Experience home ownership like a renter. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Maintain the experience of being a renter with the upside of equity and ownership. So a learning from the store or the flyer is I think your headline was direct, but also people love stories. People remember stories. They don't necessarily remember facts. So yeah, mm -hmm. it'll be cool to see how the new flyer does with the tagline plus the, the story. Yeah. So I've got a question, you know, to be honest, I mean, I knew you had to like kind of pivot once, but this sounds pretty exciting and pretty fast. What's been one of the biggest challenges you've had to overcome from coming up with this idea till now as kind of a second time founder? I would say the biggest challenge so far has been uh, making sure that we stay within, uh, that we observe all the regulations and uh, like regulatory. So for instance, uh, we have to make sure that we adhere to RESPA laws, R-E-S-B-A. Um, we had to also make sure that we weren't running afoul of any federal laws or regulations that th those were. So the regulations were one. The other thing too, is the launch capital we raised, it was such a small amount, but it was meant to allow us to incorporate the company, pay for legal, pay for, you know, bookkeeping, that sort of stuff, pay for our overhead basically. Um, but it wasn't enough to, you know, pay ourselves or anything like that. Um, so, that's why we're raising money now. But the challenge with that is that we were so capital constrained that we had to figure out ways of reaching new people um, without the traditional marketing channels. Right. So I would say that was one of the biggest things. I mean, the, the good thing for us is that we myself and my co-founder, we're both technical. Uh, we're both designers. We're both uh, developers. So we can build literally everything, web, Android and iOS. So um, we don't have any cost there. The last thing I would say is as we onboard more homeowners, I have so many other things that I'm doing that uh, is getting to the point now where we're going to need, going to, need to start uh, hiring and training new home managers to help homeowners. Yeah, those are good growing pains to have. And one thing you called out that I'd like to hit on is the, f the fact that you and your co-founder have somewhat similar skills. So sometimes you hear the thought like, hey, get a co-founder that offsets your weaknesses or you own different verticals, but it's clearly going well for you all. Talk to me about, you know, just any, like how it worked to even like decide you guys wanted to go in on this together and why you think it's yeah. working out. So here's a story for you, right? Uh, my co-founder is, I want to say 17 years younger than myself. Um, so I met my co-founder, uh, his name is Alex. He's actually based in Ireland. I met him, he was a 14 year old kid who had gotten to the top of product hunt with a 
uh, iOS app that he built called Swipe. So it was Tinder, Tinder for news for teenagers. And yeah. um, so it's that Swipe with two eyes. And he had gotten all this press on like Mashable and other places and everything. And I simply reached out and said, hey, congratulations. Keep going. You inspired my sister, who's the same age as he is. He's only 19 right now. Right. And I'm 35, just to let you know. So we're like the most unlikely couple. Here's a kid from rural <laughs> Ireland that, that grew up. He grew up on a farm and I was a poor black kid who grew up partly in the projects in St. Louis, you know, it was, it was uh, meant who, to be meant to be <laughs> right. Uh, but the funny thing is his father is actually a software engineer for a mortgage company. And again, remember my mom worked as an architectural drafter back in the day and did other things. So what happened is he actually reached out to me on a break from school when he was still in high school and said, Hey, um, remember me, you know, what are you working on? And I, I said, Hey, I'm working on this thing. And at the time it was the first version, you know, standardizing pre-offer inspections. And I sent him the deck and was like, this is interesting. Let me go talk to my mom and dad and, and just see what they think. He went and talked to his, his, his folks and um, he was like, you know what? Who's on your team? You know, what are you guys doing? Have you raised any money? You know, give me a little bit more background. Um, so I did. And um, he was like, hey, can I just help out? And I was like, sure. And he started helping out. And then eventually uh, we said, you know what? Let's just do this together. There's some good lessons learned there. One, it's, you know, someone where it's not like you guys were like best friends, but there's some history. There's some relationship there. And the fact that you got to kind of test working together before you, you went all in. And so there's like mutual respect, test what this looks like, and then go in together. But no, that, that's very cool. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's we, we worked together for almost a year, I believe before we incorporated, because he was only 17 at the time. Um, so we had, to wait for, we had to wait for him to turn 18. So we couldn't incorporate and we, we had to wait for all that stuff or whatever. Um, but we, you know, the thing, man, we've done other interviews together. And, you know, the thing I, I, I have a, an immense amount of respect for him. Uh, you would never know that he's 19, right? He's wise beyond his years. Some of the awards that like Patrick Collison and the Collison brothers have won over there, he's won the same exact awards like the PT oh, wow. Scientist Award over there. And those are the Stripe founders for people that don't know that the two brothers that are Stripe founders. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, he, he's he's incredibly intelligent. He's in school. Uh, he's, he's studying uh, mathematics, but he's about to drop out. <laughs> so uh, because things are take, things are taking off for us or whatever. And he only went to school initially to please his mom. But he told his mom recently, like, hey, this is starting to take off. I don't want to be here. Like, you know, whatever. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, we. I, I think the. The lesson with us is that, first of all, take chances on, on people, get to know people. And as far as our, our skill set being somewhat similar, iOS is not my sandbox, right? So he's iOS, I'm Android. Um, I can do front-end web development, but I'm very slow at front-end web development. So he uh, took over all of that and I designed the platform and he's filled in all the gaps with his own design ideas as well. And we've been working that way. And then also... The thing for us is that we've removed all ego. There is absolutely zero ego. You know, I told him when we first started this, uh, because with the first company, uh, we failed and I, I take full ownership for that. But I ran myself into the ground. I became depressed for the first time in my life. You know, everything was going wrong at the at the, at the wrong time. Right. And um, so I promised him and his father that, hey, I would you know make sure his mental health is first and foremost and that we would take our time building this, getting things right. And that, uh, you know, we would always I would always have a show him a level of respect um, worthy of, you know, basically, you know, he was a kid. So I'm like, you know, I, I think some people would say, well, 
he's a kid, you know, that you have the potential to take advantage of that relationship. No, not, not, nothing like that ever happened. You know, we have a mutual level, healthy level of mutual uh, respect for each other. And I think it just works because we respect each other. I also think it's smart, too, that before you get into it, you had those potentially hard or confrontational discussions around, you know, what this is going to be. You're speaking to his dad Mm -hmm. around, hey, I've done this before. I got super depressed. I don't want that to happen here. And let's make sure we're aware of that because, man, it's a lot of pressure when you're running a company. Like I woke up last night, like 3.30 a.m., and I couldn't go back to sleep. And you know, you like look at Slack or email and the wheels start turning. And like you mm-hmm. think of things that can go wrong and it can just spiral. And man, you got to keep that in check because when things go bad, they can go south real quick. So if you have someone that's in the trenches yeah. with you, it, it's just so nice to have that because it's a lonely place if you're like a solo founder trying to, you know, take on the world. Yeah. And we're both mission-driven founders too. We, for instance, one of the first apps that he ever built was a defibrillator locator app to help his uncle who had a massive heart attack, right? Wow. Um, and they couldn't find defibrillators. So he built an app to locate them around the world um, and it's free and he put it up or whatever. So, you know, we both want to help people. And I think that's what drives both of us. That's why I said there's no ego here, right? Um, the one thing that Alex and I agreed on is that um, we're going to let our customers, the homeowners, dictate what we build, how we build it and, you know, why we build it. Right. And then also, you know, I told him, I said, hey, nothing can be as bad as what I had to go through when I lived in L.A. when I worked in music before I had any sort of success or anything. So I had moved from St. Louis to L.A. at 19 myself with 300 bucks in my pocket. And um, I had no idea how expensive L.A. was. Right. Um, the school that I went to, L.A. Recording School, um, they helped me find uh, housing. But what happened with that is my student loan, um, the money ran out and I couldn't pay my bills. So I actually became homeless in L.A. So a, a hack for that was I still maintain a Bally's gym membership so that I could shower twice a day. I was in school like 10 hours a day. So, you know, down in Hollywood or whatever. Um, so, I, you know, I needed a place to stay. So I would go to parties whenever I was invited. And, and mind you, I'm an introvert. But most people mistake me for an extrovert because I had to learn how to be more extroverted um, in order to have a place to stay sometimes. Right. And so I would go to parties in like Echo Park and Silver Lake and all that or whatever and sleep on people's couches at the party. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, I was, I was homeless for a while. And, um, you know, actually, when I got that number one Billboard record, I was I was homeless. I had uh, I was hustling, man. My, my entire existence has been to help people and to hustle, basically. Dude, that's an amazing story, especially the fact that you're you have this time of being homeless and then you're working on your own career. But like you show all these examples of you helping other people where I think the natural thought would be like, I got to be in survival mode for myself. But here you are helping others, which is that's pretty inspiring. Yeah, Yeah, I survived on uh, (laughs) I can tell you like um, rice cakes, peanut butter. And uh, because they didn't spoil. Right. So rice cakes, peanut yeah. butter. Um, I would get a bag of green apples. Um, I hated apples, but I said, hey, I got to eat something somewhat healthy. And so yeah. I bought bags of green apples and I kept everything in my backpack. And then uh, whenever I was over at a friend's house or something like that, I would ask them if I could cook like rice or something like that or whatever. And then the other thing, too, is I started making these little pieces out of uh, like I had a little thing of olive oil, the little uh, like wheat tortillas. And a little cheese, and I would put those in the oven or whatever, uh, and eat those as well. So, 
Dude, that's super inspiring. And so when did it turn where you went from kind of sleeping on couches to be like, you know, I'm able to like live on my own and, and be able to yeah. have steady income? Was it hitting number one on with the billboards or was it something else? You would think that's when it changed, but it didn't. It changed. It took another year because that's when I started getting paid. But uh, I, I didn't always have couches to sleep on. I slept on uh, bus stop benches as well. I would stay up as long as possible because I knew the bus would stop running at, I think, like almost midnight where I was in L.A. at the time. I was in, I was in Encino at the time. And um, so I would sit there as if I was waiting on the bus. And then once it hits like midnight, you know, most people were in, in, home, in, the, in the house. So that's when I would finally lay down on the bus stop sometimes. So, yeah, it, it, it changed for me. I would say, honestly, when um, I started helping out a, a school in St. Louis, I had left L.A. after a while. Um, went back to St. Louis, started helping out a, a local charter school um, that was just getting off the ground and where my mom had worked at the time. Um, and they asked me to be their baseball coach and middle school girls basketball coach. Because of my time in music, they used to throw all these events as fundraisers like uh, uh, Microfest Brewery, which is uh, one of the biggest uh, beer festivals in St. Louis annually. So they helped me to, you know, map the festival grounds and do stuff like that, you know, uh, book the talent for the shows and set up audio and do all that stuff. And they started paying me. And that was that's when I was able to, you know, get on solid ground and start getting my own place and everything. Wow, that that's an amazing story, man. And, you know, one thing I like to ask everybody with this podcast, because you, you've had so many different kind of points of of your professional career, even just life, you know, as you look back, what is the nicest thing anyone's done for you? Usually I say in your professional career, but I'd even just say in your journey, like what comes to mind? So when I was younger, my brother battled leukemia and uh, there was a family in St. Louis. Uh, I was in, I want to say fourth grade at the time. There was a family who lived in uh, St. Louis County at the time in West County. And uh, they took in myself as well as my sister and my other brother. So my mom could go to the hospital and be with my brother who had my other brother who had uh, leukemia at the time. So my, my brother who had leukemia at the time, he was only, I think, seven years old or something like that. So and he he battled leukemia, uh, two bouts of leukemia and had a bone marrow transplant, but he battled it for seven years. So uh, he literally lived at the hospital for seven years, basically. And so I would say that's the nicest thing anyone has ever done for me in my life, because um, Ralphie G, you know, taught me some valuable lessons about you know, um, trying to always help people and not to feel sorry for yourself. And, uh, you know, he, 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 he gave me experiences that I probably would have never been able to have such as, um, I was a pretty good athlete. So he, um, you know, tried to pay for me to go to certain tournaments for basketball or baseball or whatever. And then even some football tournaments or whatever. Um, and, and I traveled across the country playing sports because of him and his family. And, um, yeah. Dude, that's amazing. And it's like the, the the impact someone can have just by kind of helping out, it can literally change someone's life. You know what I mean? And the experiences they get. Yeah. But, um, Mind you, he, he had they had four children of their own to take care of and they took in three more. So and they, they fed us. They, you know, got us clothes. They took us to school, you know, um, and then um, I stayed with that family. They became my guardians. Eventually, I stayed with that family. Um, all, all the way up until I graduated high school. Now, mind you, my mom was still very much so in the picture. She still took care of us. She still, you know, helped out and did her best to provide for us. Uh, it was just she needed a little bit of help. And um, yeah. 
Oh yeah, man. Three kids. That's crazy, man. I can barely handle two. Um, so that's dude, inspiring stuff, man. I mean, honestly, I was so excited to even just talk about home plan, but hearing your background and what you've done, I mean, shoot, man, I feel like we need five more hours. It's really inspiring, <laughs> but, um, so cool. I mean, I don't know who could listen to this and not just want to like cheer for everything you're doing with, with home plan. But, um, for, for people that want to like continue to follow you and the journey you're on and also learn more about home plan, where, where should we point them? Uh, yeah. So you can find us at joinhomeplan.com or join home plan on Twitter. Um, those are the two most active places we are, honestly. Sign up for our wait list. If you're a homeowner, sign up for the wait list. Um, and, you know, we'll get, we're onboarding um, our, the tail end of our first cohort right now um, and about to start our second cohort so we can get you in that second cohort. That's awesome. Yeah, the, the site's really well done. Go check it out. Um, and again, we have a mutual friend, Garrett, who could not speak any higher of, of what you guys are doing. And so, um, but, um, but Bash, thank you so much for the time. I know you're really busy, so really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on today, Jim. And uh, Garrett's awesome. And I want to thank Garrett for making the introduction as well. Today's episode is brought to you by no one. Yep, we have zero sponsors. I haven't reached out to any companies, nor would I expect a reputable brand to give me money. But... I'll give a few plugs. First, I send a weekly newsletter each Thursday featuring five articles or tools that have helped me. You can sign up for these weekly updates at jimwhuffman.com. Second, for anyone running a startup, if you need help growing your business, check out Growth Hit. Growth Hit serves as your external growth team. After working with over 100 startups and generating a quarter billion in sales for clients, GrowthIt has perfected a growth process that's hell-bent on driving ROI through rapid experiments. Plus, you'll get to work with yours truly. So if you want to work with a team that's worked with startups that have been funded by Andreessen Horowitz or featured on Shark Tank, then check out GrowthHit.com. And finally, I wrote a book called The Growth Marketer's Playbook that takes everything I've learned as a growth mentor for venture-backed startups, and I've distilled it down to 140 pages. So instead of hiring a growth team, save yourself some money, get the book, and you can just do it yourself. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'd love to hear feedback. I'm on Twitter at Jim W. Huffman. <laughs>